Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In this feature documentary, we discover the dangerously funny cartoonist Mr. Fish struggling to make a living in an industry that is dying out. In a world where consumerism is king and opportunities are few, will this uncensored artist find a way to sell his art or be forced to sell out himself? Mr. Fish has been published in such publications as the LA Weekly, Harper's Village Voice, The Nation, TruthDig.com, as well as having his first book, Go Fish, published by Akashish Press. FX Feeney says, <laughs> FX Feeney says, he places you in the contradiction. He is a poet who's operating with a cartoonist pen and a satirist goal of making you see further. And with that, we were fortunate enough to have with us today the director of the film, Mr. Fish, cartooning from the deep end. Pablo Bryant, welcome to film school. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, thank you for being here, and I um, want to tell you how much I appreciate the film for a lot of reasons, but not the least of which is for many people who may have seen his art um, but do not know much about him or even what his name is, uh, it's a terrific introduction into his world as well as his personal life. A very um, engaging man, very smart um, person. Uh, so it's uh, to bring the world uh, a little closer to Mr. Fish, uh, my congratulations to you on a really well done documentary on on that. Well, thanks. You know, I, I didn't know of him until 2012, um, and when I discovered him, I was—I um, felt like I had found someone who was, you know, really addressing the world that I struggle with. You know, uh, the sort of calamitous problems that we face, and, and there are blind spots as a species, and um, there was just a lot in there that I felt like he was breaking through and um uh it really spoke to me so so how did how did you go from I, to, to be able to introduce the world to him is a, is a great joy now yeah well how did you go from seeing his work and and get sort of appreciating what his perspective was and his talent as a as an illustrator to the point where did you approach him about doing a documentary how did that sort of evolve well, I started following him, so he had a Facebook page, uh, he has a website, you know, I started to just get tuned into him and uh, saw that he was having a show, he announced that he was having a show in Los Angeles at the Bergamot Station. I wasn't even sure if he was going to be there or not, but I went down and he was there and I said, listen, I think I want to make a documentary about you, and he he said, yeah, fine. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was almost too easy, and I, I sort of doubted... Uh, because I didn't know him personally. I thought, well, maybe he's just sort of blowing smoke here, or I didn't trust it, really. So, uh, But he completely opened his, his life to me, really, as you see in the film. He's quite naked. He's quite... Um, he's so incredibly comfortable with who he is and unashamed of uh, himself in any way, you know, that there's no hesitation when he puts the pen to paper. It's, there's this truthfulness and this honesty and this uh, directness in his work that um, you don't really find anywhere else. His kind of satire is not really 
it's not really present in our culture in many other places. I mean, can you think of any where you find his brand of humor? Not, I mean, there was a time when the National Lampoon was in full bloom uh, back in the 70s and 80s where that kind of humor was uh, accepted. And I would have to go to the British. The British have a kind of a tradition Mm -hmm. that is very similar to this. Their satire was vicious Mm -hmm. stuff. So in those two traditions, Mm -hmm. I can see his work. But when you talk about present day work... No, I, I can't. No one jumps to mind um, on, on this kind of, like you said, this directness, this kind of uh, go yeah. for the jugular sort of. Uh, I wouldn't even call it humor. Satire is a better word for it. Um, Satire is a better word because some of his stuff is not funny. No, and he has a um, he has a particular knack for mixing, maybe creating a humorous image that is also disturbing. And I just found that so amazing because I think most cartoonists, they go for the joke and he's not really going for the joke. He's going for the penetration. You know, he's going to get inside your head with this stuff. And oftentimes the stuff is just not funny. It's just, it's heartbreaking sometimes. Right. And so yeah. that was another thing that drew me to him is that he's, he's, he's funny. He's complex. He's um, dead serious. He's got all these layers. He draws in every single style you can imagine. Um, you know, he hasn't branded his cartooning uh, uh, world or his cartooning image. You know, he doesn't have a brand. If you look at a Mr. Fish cartoon, they could look like anything. Yeah. So uh, I found all of that pretty remarkable. Well, and, and can I just touch on sure. something that we were just talking about, yeah. which we touched on in the film, that... There was a time in the 60s and 70s and even a little bit into the 80s where this kind of humor was sort of in our, uh, in our sphere, in our consciousness, in our, you know, in our world. It was out there. You could find magazines and you could... Um, I even think it was uh, in our you know, film culture more then. But um, I don't know. It's an it's a, it's a odd mix of... Uh, commercialization and political correctness that I think has sort of dampened that spirit. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely agree with you. Uh, In the film, you talk about magazines like Ramparts and, uh, oh gosh, back again, National Lampoon. There was a time when um, their, their, uh, their humor was, yeah, was, uh, well, shocking just too easy a word, but it was def- it was definitely the kind of um, humor satire that he is following in their tradition. And I, when I mentioned the British, I mean like the the John the 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 Jonathan Swift, you know, where they they used to regularly write the most or I mean draw the most vicious and awful, horrible um, cartoons mm-hmm. of the of the Queen and and all of the stuff that was going mm-hmm. on in Britain at that time, and that's definitely where where he seems to land for me. And you're right, yeah. you're right. I don't know what happened to free speech in the in our culture in our political culture. Free speech used to mean you could say, and in some ways you were expected to say as a satirist, unacceptable things, quote unquote, unacceptable things. And and now today, people seem to have completely lost their bearings when it comes to talking about things that make us uncomfortable, and uh, certainly not Mr. Fish. <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? I mean, it's. Um, I think it's part. It's 
has something to do with why we can't kind of get at the heart of things. Because we don't really allow ourselves to own our own opinions anymore. We're always sort of, um, you know, as social creatures, we're, we're sort of genetically designed to want to be accepted by the tribe. Yeah. And, you know, to be outcast from the tribe is, is like a fate worse than death. You know, it still feels that way, which is why public speaking is so difficult for people. Um, so when I found Mr. Fish, I found someone who wasn't constrained uh, in the same way that most of us are. And it was liberating. You know, he's liberated himself from the constraints, the social constraints that most of us uh, unconsciously live by. You know, a lot, a lot of us haven't examined what we've been taught in school and by our parents and by our church and by the state and by the television and by... You know, uh, all, you know, all the entertainment that's out there that's sort of informing us on how we look at the world. A lot of us don't question that stuff. And and Mr. Fish, is, he's really gone through a, a deep examination process with his work and himself. And that's why he's fearless, because he, he knows where he stands. And he's also not... Um, uh, He's not arrogant about it. So, in other words, if he creates an image or a cartoon that offends somebody, he's perfectly willing to have a dialogue with them about it. And uh, you know, if he's wrong, he's wrong. He's not, you know, he's not, he's not defensive about his work. It's, a, it's an exploration for him yeah. of his own ideas. Yeah. So that, that's inspiring to me. And I think people, you know, we we just won the audience award at the Austin Film Festival, and I think people recognize that that. And we're inspired by that, you know, that, that, that freedom of thought, that freedom of expression, to be unafraid to be who you are. And, um, you know, he put some very strange, often very, some very dirty images. I mean, he always does it in an extremely smart way, yeah. but um, there's this sense of, you know, we can be who we are and we can engage publicly with that stuff and we don't have to be sort of ashamed of that. I think shame and people feeling like they don't know how to talk about politics keeps them from talking about politics. Yeah. And it's like, it's the one thing that we should all be talking about, you know, because yeah. it, it, it's the thing that decides our fate or what's going to happen with our environment, what's going to happen with our workforce our labor or, our loss, you know, how we, uh, every, it's everything. Our, our, our futures, in many ways. Um, That's right. And, and this is the thing about a cartoonist, and, and certainly in his work, the things he draws, and I want to get into a little bit of more context for what it is that he actually does with his art, but it, as a, Someone who's there to puncture the pomposity, the the uh, to to poke the eye of of the powerful. This stuff isn't funny. It's not intended to be funny. This is serious yeah. stuff. This is serious things that are are going on in that regard in our world. And I think it's appropriate because when we're talking about so many things that are seem to be sort of uh, ga the gathering storm, if you will. In our world right now, uh, I, I don't I don't find anything about his work. I mean, it's profane, it's obscene, 
all those kinds of things, but mm-hmm. it's appropriate for what he's talking about. It's not gratuitous. It is intended to be something, and it's intended to mean something. If it makes you mad, well, okay, maybe it's intended to be make you mad, but if it, but if it makes you think, even better. And and so that's one of the sort of the things that when I'm watching the film, uh, Mr. Fish, cartooning from the deep end, that was I. I'm not comfortable with everything I saw in the film, but that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, before we go any further, I just want to remind. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a, that's an that's an interesting point because, um, well, you know, what is obscene? You know, we sort of start the film off with that concept of mm-hmm. what is obscene. Why why do we have a concept of obscenity? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's something, again, it goes back to what I was saying before. We don't really question these things. We sort of, we, we sort of accept our cultural values that tell us that, that is obscene. Other, to other cultures, what we consider obscene is not obscene. So it's a conditional thing, right? So at a very young age, he realized this and decided to try and do something about it to sort of liberate us from our concept of obscenity. Yeah. And uh, it went terribly wrong for him, but it's a very funny incident in the film, and it's something that he actually animates in the film. I don't right. want to give too much away. Right, right. But, but it's, again, it's, that's sort of the launching board for the film, to go into this subject of who he is. You know, that's, that's still like a driving force in him, which is why he, he deals with adult imagery and adult language, because mm-hmm. we have hang-ups about it. He doesn't. He's not looking to sort of force something in our face that's unpleasant, but if you're having a reaction to something, you have to ask yourself, why are you having a reaction to something? Right. And I think that's where he, he operates from. Is it's, it's really in the service of us getting over and past our limitations, our conceptions of right and wrong, and looking at something really for what it is. Right. So I think a lot of his work operates from that place. Right. So, you know, if he uses uh, the N-word, let's say, he's not doing it in a derogatory fashion. He's doing it because the word is disturbing, and you should be disturbed by it. Um, And I think Mark Twain used the word the same way, you know. Um, But people are afraid to do that, you know. People are afraid to go that far. There's a sense that that stuff is off limits so that's why he's refreshing because he's not he's not limited yeah you know I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Pablo Bryan he's the director producer and cinematographer on the documentary Mr. Fish cartooning from the deep end the film is opening its screening this weekend um, at the doc NYC doc um, festival and it is screening on Sunday the 12th at 4:30 at the the Sinopolis Chelsea Cinemas on uh, that's on Sunday at 4:30 and on Monday it'll be screening at the IFC Center at 10:15. And check it out if you if you happen to catch the interview uh, before the 12th or the 13th of November. Uh, in addition to that, you can go to the website for uh, for Mr. Fish, and that would be MrFishMovie.com to find out more. And on Monday it'll be playing. Uh, Monday the 13th, it'll be playing at 10.15 a.m. at the IFC Center. So check that out. Um, 
as much as this film is about him and his art, and there's a ton of his art on the on the website at mrfishmovie.com, uh, so, you, so you get a very nice cross-section of his work. But it's also about the human side of it, and, and I, I, I'm really so happy to see that you were you had access to his wife and his kids and the ability to kind of flesh out his other part of his life and also just kind of shine a light on the the sort of dying art or at least the commercially uh, unfeasible practice of, of 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 what he does which is very biting satirical artwork and the the struggles we're having getting access to that kind of material because commercial and political forces at play i believe um and so there's all it's a very well-rounded documentary it is we see both sides of, of that of that picture of his life the art as well as the struggle that it is to be who he is and and as as fearless as he is about his work um was there any trepidation on anyone's part for you to be in in their lives for, for the period of time that you were or was it something well, not from him. Um, the girls, uh, his, he has twin daughters that are in the film that um, were pretty young at the time. Mm-hmm. I think they might have been around 10 when I started. And they're very precocious like him and very smart. And it's sort of lovely to see uh, and his wife bringing these girls up in such a, you know, with such intelligence. You know, they... Yeah. They... Um, they're really raising two very bright girls, and um, uh, but no, 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 no real hesitation. I mean, you know, there's nothing easy when you're embedded in someone's life. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine it was all easy for them to have me there all the time. But they were very open, and um, uh, they really never asked me to take anything out, you know, you would think that, well, hey, listen, you know, that thing you shot yesterday, that's, yeah. I, could you not put that in there? That kind of thing never happened. Yeah. Uh, and as you saw in the film, I get some pretty intimate moments with yeah. them in regards to how their relationship goes up and down and the stresses in their life are played out and they're trying to work through the, right. you know, the difficulty of their financial situation, and it's, uh, you know, it's pretty, it gets kind of raw sometimes, yeah. so I have to applaud them for, for never asking for any kind of editorial anything, you know, yeah. they just, uh, I shot it, and nobody ever said a word right. to me. Well, know? they're In very... Fact, I would reach out and, and say, like, hey, this thing, you know, with one of the girls is cussing, you know, is that going to be a problem? Well, there's a directness. So, there's a directness between them in their relationship. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, if uh, for people who have not worth who were thinking about seeing Mr. Fish, what is it that you sort of want the to come away from the documentary? What do you want them to understand? Is is there one thing or a couple of things that you think? In making this film, when you got done with it, you looked at it and said, boy, I hope that people feel like they've gotten to know him or gotten to understand the context of the work he does. Is there something in that realm that you that you came away from? Well, I think, you know, early on, my editor and I talked about 
sort of thematically what we wanted this film to be about. And I had showed it, the film to a friend of mine, an earlier cut, who runs a coffee shop in, in Boulder, Colorado. And the film ended, and he looked at me, and he said, that feels like my life. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing because, you know, he's not an outrageous artist. He's not out there pushing the boundaries. So what, what I think is one of the things that penetrates for people is that Mr. Fish, one of the scenes in the film is, is he talks about how he's caught in this system, that how he is participating in the system, that he's also critiquing, yeah. you know, but he's in it, and we are all in this thing. Yeah. Um, and we are sort of, we are participating in something that we also know is uh, harmful. You know, we consume a lot, we drive cars that create pollution, we use electricity that creates pollution, we, um, we don't know where our clothing comes from, we don't know where our trash goes to. We're, we're complicit in a lot of the problems that we face, and we kind of, we don't, we don't always acknowledge that, and we don't uh, very often acknowledge um, how difficult it is to have to be true to yourself in your life and in your heart, and also navigate a world in which you constantly have to think about making yeah. money. And always have to have that as the sort of number one yeah. uh, driving force behind your life. How are you going to make money? Yeah. And those two things often come to heads in our life and we you know we we have to choose to make money because it means survival so that's why we have sort of uh, i think we have somewhat of a sellout culture now you know there was a time where if you were in a rock band you didn't sell your music to uh bud light now it's it's the first thing you do Mm -hmm. and that's a kind of cultural shift that is um, uh, I mean, it's extremely worrisome, but also, um, you know, we, it's understandable. Everybody yeah. needs to make money, so it's sort of, sort of sort of forgiven now. And he doesn't operate from that place. And I think, I guess this is a, a long answer to your question, but I think what resonates for people and what I'm happy about that they walk away from the film with is um, a reminder of what it means to be true to yourself, even if there is a cost. Yeah. And um, I think that's a worthwhile thing to contemplate these days. And people walk away very inspired by the film and very uplifted by it, even though there's a lot of difficult subject matter in it. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's a good reminder. We need that reminder yeah. right now. I yeah. think... Um, well, it's your your it's film. Valuable. Your film is a, a, a an appropriate bookend to his work, and um, so congratulations on the film. Congratulations on the screening uh, this weekend at the NYC Doc Festival. Again, it's screening on Sunday. It's the Doc NYC, actually. Uh, oh, I knew I was going to butcher that. And congratulations <laughs> on it uh, on playing at the Doc NYC Festival uh, this weekend. It uh, on Sunday the. 12th it'll be playing at the Sinopolis Chelsea Cinemas at 4:30 p.m. that's Sunday the 12th and on uh, Monday the 13th it'll be screening at 10:15 a.m. at the IFC Center 
So check it out. Go to MrFishMovie.com to find out more about all of it, including um, a little backstory on Mr. Fish himself. Um, Pablo, thank you so much, Pablo Bryant, for being here on Film School. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Um, and I just want to let people know, you know, even though we've talked about a lot of kind of heavy stuff, it is a very fun film. There's yeah. a lot, his humor is incredible. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a, uh, you're, you're, you're definitely going to see some art that you've never seen before that's going to tickle you in a certain way. Yes, so, it I'm will. Sort of it, will <laughs> it will do that. All right, Pablo, thank you. And all the best uh, right, on, moving forward on this project. And uh, come back and see us again. Thank you. Uh, I will. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.